Hi everyone, and welcome to Scrum Dynamics Podcast, episode 16. The mission of the Scrum Dynamics Podcast is to help every Microsoft partner and customer successfully deploy Microsoft Dynamics 365 using the Scrum framework. Why? Well, because it's all downhill once you start using Waterfall. Hi, my name is Neil Benson. I'm joined in this episode by my co-host and Irishman with a very particular set of skills, Dermot Ryan, to discuss the last two events in the sprint, the sprint review and the sprint retrospective. We're going to discuss the format of each of these events, who should attend, how to run them, how to tailor them for Dynamics 365 projects so you can get the most out of them. Just before we dive in, I wanted to thank our sponsor for this episode, the Dynamics 365 user group. D365UG is the member-driven user community whose aim it is to maximize the value to individuals and organizations using Microsoft Dynamics software. They've got educational programs, conferences, online forums, local chapters, and lots more. A lot of their content is available for free and the rest for an embarrassingly small annual subscription. Along with several dozen other Microsoft MVPs, I'm getting ready to head to Phoenix, on the 15th of October for the annual D365 UG Summit, which is their flagship conference and my favourite IT conference every year. You can still register at d365ugsummit.com forward slash register. And just before we get started, I want to let you know about a little issue we had with Dermot's audio for the first couple of moments of this podcast episode. I had to edit the first few minutes until it cleared up, so thanks for your patience there. Let's get it started. Hey, Dermot, how you doing? I'm great, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. I um, had an exciting weekend this weekend. I'm thinking about a new Scrum Dynamics training course focused on user stories. And I was going to set it around a university. That's my example client who's building CRM system. So I was at the Scandinavian Festival here in Brisbane at the weekend. It was a lovely day. It's 28 degrees in the sunshine. One of the stalls there is the local Lego store who was selling some stuff. So I got myself a Harry Potter uh, spider who's uh, who's chasing Harry and his friend Ron. So we have um, we have a, a big spider and loads of little spiders just in case I ever need to talk about bugs in that, uh, in that in that training course. So I can illustrate my presentation, of course, with some Lego figures. That was a nice purchase of the weekend. We just kicked off day two of Sprint 1 on the Jupiter program. We've got a new Scrum Master, Carol. She's been shaping it up and uh, doing a great job. The team are really passionate and and off to a great start. It's very hard, I think, to take a a rough product backlog and start shaping it up and estimating it straight away. But the team's done a great job. Yeah, it's great to see them getting into development and getting getting stuck in lots of what I would call chores and spikes in Sprint 1. Setting up dev environments, standardizing our development naming conventions and approaches and that kind of stuff. Researching licensing for address verification services all that good stuff all has to be done as well as trying to deliver our first couple of actual user stories in this sprint as well unfortunately i'm going to be on leave um at the end of sprint one so i'm not going to see their their good work but uh looking forward to coming back and finding out how they've done i'm looking forward to hear how it goes when you get back so we've got um got one team called odyssey and then two squads within it called io and europa so it's the jupiter program Odyssey is one of the spaceships that visited Jupiter, and then Io and Europa are a couple of Jupiter's moons, so all based around the theme there. And 
I had no part to play in the naming. That's, uh, the team's done all that. So, how big are the teams? How big are the teams? The teams are five devs in one team and six devs in another. All right, so they're a decent sized team. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Carol and a DevOps engineer, myself, are outside of those squads, but we're part of the um, Odyssey team. What would you like to discuss in this week's podcast episode, Dermot? So we were thinking we would discuss the sprint review, and then later on we will discuss the sprint retrospective. So two really important ceremonies in in a sprint. Oh yeah. So how does that sound? Yeah, well they normally run back to back in my in my sprints. So good idea to approach them back to back in this episode. Exactly. Okay. So will we get started? Yeah, sure. So the sprint review. What is it? It's held at the end of every sprint to inspect the increment and adapt the product backlog if needed. So that's the the formal sentence in the Scrum Guide. So what does that mean? Well, what it means is that the Scrum team and all the stakeholders come together and they'll collaborate about what was done in the sprint that's just finishing. So this uh, review is usually held, actually it's nearly always held, on the last day of the sprint. So if you have a two-week sprint, it's held on day 10. It's an informal meeting. It's not a status meeting. It involves the stakeholders in the Scrum team coming together, looking at what was done, looking at what wasn't done. Uh, the dev team will present the increment to elicit feedback on what was done and foster collaboration with the customers and with the stakeholders. Usually the reviews I'm involved in, I get the product owner to introduce what was done and what wasn't done. Uh, usually they will speak yeah, good idea. to the sprint goals. I've been, especially in new teams, what they tend to do is each engineer will go up and say, well, I built this little piece and I built this little piece. And to the customer, that means nothing. The analogy I tried to give the Scrum teams is, imagine you're buying something off the App Store, uh, a new application uh, on iTunes, and you want to test it first. And then the engineer comes up, well, I wrote this cool little iOS script. And as an end user, you really don't care about that little grip. You want to know what was the feature. <laughs> um, so that's the analogy I give to the, the Scrum teams and go think of the customer and what value they're going to get and give a unified uh, presentation of the done increment. So if you built the feature, show them the feature. Don't show them the script that makes that feature work. Show them the actual working product. That really changes their mindset and focuses them on, right, we really got to deliver value here. To start off, I get the product. I ask the product owner to introduce the sprint goals that we tried to achieve in the last two weeks. It was two-week sprint. To then uh, talk about what was done and what wasn't done, and then the dev team generally display or show the done increment, i.e., the features, not just the scripts that they wrote. And then we get some feedback, some back and forth. There's usually some questions and answers of the stakeholders, and then we'll collaborate on okay, going forward. The, tra- the trajectory that we're taking with this product, is that what we want? Yeah. So you will inspect the product backlog and say, well, what direction are we taking? The product owner may speak to how the project is going as a whole, which are epics and their timelines out to the future. What's the budgeting like? Are we on target? Are we under target? What are the market situation? Has that changed? So it's it's a good chance to collaborate on where we are at this point in time and over the next sprint, where do we want to be? Those conversations, they're not very in-depth. They're usually at a higher level. If you need them to be more in-depth, then you can take it offline for another chat. So it's really a where we're at, but it's not a status meeting. You, you do want to show done increment and you do want some feedback back and forth. So when you say it's not a status meeting, are you ever looking at maybe a release burn down chart to show where you are against where you thought you might be? Or is that too much of a status meeting if you, if you start to go into that kind of detail? I'm okay for the product owner to do that because the product owner owns that relationship with the customer and the stakeholders. If they feel that's appropriate, then 
yes, they can do it, but I wouldn't let it dominate the meeting because sometimes when you do that, it'll raise all sorts of questions and open a Pandora's box. And before you know it, you're talking about budgeting and timelines. That at that depth, I think should be a different conversation between the product owner and the customers. But as a yeah. point check, hey, this is where we are at this point in time. It's September 2018. By December 2018, we wanted to be finished the project. Yes, we're tracking on target. These are the epics that are outstanding. All things are good or all things are bad, and we need to have another conversation. So it's more of a, a check-in. Um, when I say it's not a status meeting, what I mean by that is, well, you promised that you would do 20 user stories last sprint, and they were going to be 100 points. You only delivered 60. Tell me why, and going through every single story and breaking that down. It's yeah. not that sort. It's not a status meeting like that. It's an informal meeting. You want it to be interactive you want the customers to ask questions about the product and you can answer those questions and then you want to look forward a little bit into the product backlog and see what uh, direction they want to take over the next sprint so try and make it not a status meeting before you know it it's it's kpi driven and delivery driven too much so we are all about delivery but this is more a presentation of the done increment and trying to elicit feedback and foster collaboration from your stakeholders if anything, I've seen it swing the other way and people start calling it the showcase as if the dynamics demo is the centerpiece of the sprint review. And, and to some extent, it, it should be. We should focus on the on the done increment, like you said. Mm. But I don't like the word showcase because we tend to forget that there's a really important follow-up, which is the review of the product backlog and any adjustments the stakeholders would like us to make, like the product owner to make to that backlog in the next sprint. So if we call it a showcase, we tend to forget. So I tend to ask everybody to call it the sprint review. Mm. There's two parts, inspecting the done increment and inspecting the product backlog or adjusting the product backlog. Mm. And we also have to bear in mind that the market conditions may have changed as well. So if it's just about the showcase, you're not looking at the external factors that may influence the project. So that, that needs to be borne in mind as well. Yeah, sure. So how, Neil, and the projects you've worked on is usually two-week sprints you do or three-week sprints? Yeah, uh, two or three-week sprints. So it's normally a, th- a three-hour sprint review would be a bit of a killer. So I, I try and definitely keep it under two hours. Yep. And I ask the, the teams to make sure a couple of things from a dynamics point of view. One, make sure w- the features that we are demonstrating should not be in the developer instance. Make sure that they're in some kind of QA or UAT instance. For a couple of reasons. One, we want to prove that our release method works. You know, we've been able to export the solutions and import them somewhere else with all the data and the security rules and everything else that makes that work. And to give us some confidence that this stuff is ready for production, Mm -hmm. whether or not we're actually in production. Secondly, I'd like the stakeholders to be able to grab hold of that feature and go and play with it. So I want them to be up in some kind of UAT instance so that they can give us more detailed feedback maybe in the course of the next sprint. So we uh, give that feedback back to the product owner and they can take that on board, maybe create a few new stories from it. I try and remind people not to spend too long preparing that demo. The feature should be done. It should be pretty quick to deploy it into whatever instance we're demonstrating from. There should be demo data already there. Uh, we maybe write a couple of notes about the steps that we're going to take in the demonstration scenario. Who's going to do the demo? And then, like you said, make sure it's a front-to-back feature demo focused mm-hmm. on a user scenario that's that's real and meaningful for our stakeholder audience and isn't, here's how the workflow is configured or um, let me show you a Visual Studio with the source code or the plugin. Yeah, Let's focus on, on a real user scenario and the user interface of dynamics. With the, that demo environment, Neil, so I presume there's some preparatory work in that and that you need to have demo data and someone's got to get it ready with the done increment in that dev or test environment, whatever it is you're using. Yep. Do you 
write user stories in your sprint for someone to prepare the dev uh, environment? I maybe would have a chore in one of the early sprints, but it's once it's up and running, it's up and running, and you should have some automation and everything else to go along with that to make that easier. It's a it's a red flag if somebody says, "Hey, I need a chore." You know, in sprint forty five, I need a chore to cover demo preparation or a story mm. for that. That's not a good sign. And uh, we want that the preparation to be nice and quick, like half an hour yeah. tops for the two or three week sprint. Maybe maybe an hour if there's something special you need to set up. A, you know, first time portal demo or something yeah. um, would be a, a, certainly a bigger. Ring alarm bells if uh, you're spending a whole bunch of time preparing your demo data just to do what you call the showcase in a, yeah. in a sprint review when you should be working on stories and getting done increment. <laughs> yep. I um I I find a really useful tool. I don't know if I've ever talked about it before in the podcast, but I've certainly mentioned it in other groups. A website called fakenamegenerator.com where you can generate up to a hundred thousand um sample customers mm -hmm. and you can choose about 30 different attributes first name last name addresses um social security numbers credit cards username passwords email addresses it's all completely fake data you can select different countries mm -hmm. so you could have in my case address data that looks australian or address data that looks american or french or whatever you can have the names of the fake customers generated in different cultures as well so if you wanted chinese names or thai names right. or western uh, european names a great website you can set all this up generates a csv file for you it takes a few minutes map that to your dynamics and import it and now you've got real looking demo data to play with yes. it's great for charts and dashboards where you, you want to query by state and you want to say oh look there's you know 214 people in queensland mm. and uh, you don't have to sit and type all those records in and importantly you don't have to use real production data, which sets off alarm bells for lots of risk managers and governance people yeah. um, to see developers playing about with production data. And Neil, I remember when I was um, doing sprint reviews and I'd sometimes, when I was a consultant, I'd sometimes have to, to show a certain feature that was built in the done increment and that would require different users logging in. And I'd run into the problem with Chrome in that it would cache the user that I was logged in as. So with different user permissions, yeah. I couldn't log in as a different user. Uh, I understand you have a workaround for that. Yeah, so you're right. It's it's great to be able to demonstrate the features as the user that we're going to be um, impersonating. So what I tend to do is log in with a test user using that security role. The downside is if you want to demonstrate three or four different features from three or four different user roles, perspectives, then you need to log out of Dynamics, log back in again, and set all that up, or have in-private sessions running with Chrome, Firefox, and Edge. After three, you probably run out of browsers. So Chrome is a really nice feature called the people feature. So if you go into the settings area, you can uh, set up different people in your browser, and therefore you can log in as James, John, and Mary, and, and Sue, and they all have different security roles in Dynamics, and that's really nice. You can have those different people in different tabs, and it's really nice, uh, seamless kind of switching between them. So there's a great uh, tip of the day on the on the Dynamics CRM tip Excellent. of the day website, yeah. tip number 864 covering that. It's called Use Multiple Personas in Chrome. Great feature for doing demonstrations, whether it's pre-sales or in your sprint review. That'd be really useful. Yeah, I could see. I wish I had that back when I was a consultant, Neil. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I don't use it enough. So good, good tip. I've seen people use it really well. So who do you usually invite to your sprint reviews? I'm really relaxed about that. And I think it's, to be honest, it's somewhat the product owner's decision who to invite, which of the stakeholders, you know, it could be very senior people. It could be super users, it could be the actual users who maybe are doing, going to be doing UAT soon. 
um, I don't mind. I, I just really encourage people who are going to give feedback to be there. That might mean the product owners decided to invite a few, maybe let's call them negative people who are pretty critical of the project, who are a bit skeptical of dynamics. And we want to try and show them the benefits of the system and the new user interface that we've spent some time configuring for them and try and win over their hearts and minds mm. with a couple of early demonstrations and get their feedback. I like to do that, as well as some of the champions as well. So whether those are you know, some trainers, uh, business leads, um, different departmental heads, I think everybody's pretty welcome yeah. to my sprint reviews. How about you, Dermot? Do you, do you limit it or no, do you um, invite any, everybody along? Just like you said, I, with regards to stakeholders and customers, I'll, I'll leave that up to the product owner who he or she would like to attend and they can extend those invites. But we had some debate uh, two weeks ago in one of our retrospectives because uh, we have so many teams, we do scale scrum. And in the scale retrospective, it was like, does everybody have to be at the sprint review? Because in we've broken up into logical sections in our tribe. And in one logical area, we have four scrum teams who are working right. one product backlog. Do they all have to be there? Because you're talking, you're getting into the dozens of people. So the, some people felt, no, that they shouldn't have to be there. But the overwhelming majority felt that, yes, they should. Everyone should be there. And we've broken it up with four scrum teams. Each scrum team gets 30 minutes each with the, with everybody in the one room we have a very large room and the idea is that all the teams can see what the other teams are working on and we should be coming together with one done increment we're not all uh releasing four different increments because we have one product backlog and we have one customer so we need a united united voice for that and with that we would like all the engineers there so that they're all across everything that's being done sometimes with something that large Engineers will tell you they know what the full done increment was, but they may not. Um, so we would like them all to attend. Likewise, we would like all the area product owners and the, pro- the head product owner to be there. Again, I'm delving into scale scrum, some terminology with chief product owners and area product owners. And there's a lot of debate about who they are and should they even exist. So we might cover that in, a, in another podcast, Neil. <laughs> but we would like the product owner and his or her assistants or area product owners to be there as well purely because if they're an area product owner for a scrum team they can introduce better what they were working on and answer q a uh, and the area product owner is there to manage the or sorry the, the chief product owner is there to manage the stakeholders and the customers but i think my opinion is that all the engineers should be there to see the done increment working as united front and what we also do is because we have so many people and so many moving parts and so many scrum teams that the day before the sprint review, we all come together for just 30 minutes and we do a prep and we go, look, we are four different teams. We have one integrated increment. We need to present this to our customer as United increment. How are we going to do that? So all the engineers come together and they prepare and they, they, script, they actually script it like they're, they're getting up on a stage almost going, well, look, this is yeah. what we did. It's almost like a sales exercise. Look what we built in the last two weeks. And then that brings up all the Q&A. And you have all the SMEs in the room for the Q&A that comes back from the customers and the stakeholders. So it's really interactive and it becomes quite a lively session when you prep for it. Uh, and when you've all got, when you're all on the same page, so it's uh, it's pretty good. Good, yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. A little bit of prep, I get a, a running order. Everybody knows what's coming next and who's going to demonstrate it. That's really important. I would love 
I've seen it a couple of times, but not very often. I'd love my product owner to do the demo. <laughs> if they're comfortable enough with Dynamics and they know how to use it and they're demonstrating it to their users, that's much more compelling actually than a Dynamics 365 consultant doing the demo, but it doesn't happen very often. Uh, I'd like to see more of that. Mm. One thing I would point out is I never ever surprise the product owner at the sprint review so they should know well ahead of the sprint review what's done and what's not done and what's working and what's not it's it's not the time for the product owner to go missing for the last couple of days of the sprint and just rock up at the sprint review to see how the team got on mm. definitely you don't want to be doing that in front of your other stakeholders yeah. so prepare your product owner in advance make sure there's no surprises mm. you don't want the product owner criticizing the dev teams in front of the stakeholders um, they should be on the same no. page and really throughout the sprint they should be up to speed with what's happening exactly glad to see we're on the same page there good yes <laughs> any other questions on the sprint review neil yeah, um, how long should your sprint review last? I mentioned an hour, maybe two hours for mine. Any more advice on that? Uh, well, the Scrum Guide says four hours for a one-month sprint. Um, so typically, you and I, we, we run with two-week sprints. Um, so yeah. that would, if you prorata that, that would be two hours. Because I'm working in a scale Scrum environment with several teams, I, I usually like one hour, I think, max, but we're pushing the, the one and a half to two hour boundary for a one month right. sprint. But that's because we've got several teams and it's a scaled environment. If you've just got one to two teams, really, I think an hour is plenty. But according to the Scrum Guide, two hours is allowable for for a two week sprint. Yeah, yeah I th I as long as it focuses more, more on the, the shape of the product backlog, and that's a useful debate for everybody to participate in. I wouldn't mind if, it, if that takes up quite a bit of the meeting. But if there's not a lot of feedback and the, the, the backlog's pretty well set, then let's wrap up early and let's get back to work. Mm. And sometimes your your done increment might not be that big. Like yourself, Neil, you're spinning up a new project. You're in sprint one. Yeah. And you will have a lot of spikes and chores. Um, you will still be uh, producing some done increment, but it might not be that large because you're in the early stages of the project. So your sprint review may not be a very, very long session. Well, let's see, Dermot, but give us a chance. <laughs> um, now, we've, 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 got, we've got some pretty uh, decent stories to try and tackle on Sprint 1, but you're right. Now, future Sprints, there'll be even more functionality to, to demonstrate. Mm, more meaty. Yes. So moving on from the Sprint Review, the next meeting, or the la and actually the last meeting in a Sprint, is the Sprint Retrospective. That's right. So what is a retrospective? So again, from the Scrum Guide, the, the formal statement is, it's an opportunity for the Scrum team to inspect itself and create a plan for improvements to be enacted during the sprint. So what do we mean by that? It's when, for me, it's when the Scrum team, and by the Scrum team, I mean everybody, it's the product owner, it's the devs, and it's the Scrum master. Uh, they come together and they inspect the process of how they work together over the past sprint, over the past, if it's two weeks sprint, over the past two weeks. Uh, it happens after the sprint review and before the next sprint planning. So typically this is the very last ceremony on the very last day of the sprint. And normally with the teams I work with, they have the retrospective um, on day 10, just before they go home for the evening. They will finish up work, go home, come back in the next day and the new sprint starts and we're straight into sprint planning. That, and most teams have worked with, that's how they function. So it's the last activity in a sprint. How long does it take? It's, again, the Scrum Guide says three hours for a one-month sprint. So that would be one and a half hours for a two-week sprint. Typically, my teams like to stick it to one hour. Um, what about you, Neil? What, how long do you guys usually do for a, 
retro. Yeah, I think one hour is pretty good. Quick brainstorming session about how we could improve, build up a couple of actions that we're going to take into the next sprint and wrap it up. So mm. don't want to see it drag out for too long and make it a nice, energetic, lively meeting. Everybody's typically, you know, worked pretty hard to you know, get the as much done in the last sprint as possible. If this is the last meeting in that sprint, then energy levels can dip a little bit. So it's important to try and keep this a high energy meeting to, to finish the sprint out on a high. Mm. It's something I'd like to point out is the Scrum Master is a peer team member here. So the Scrum Master participates as a member of the team, um, but also the Scrum Master needs to ensure that it stays positive and productive. I've seen uh, a lot of retros degenerate into finger pointing and a blame game. Well, we didn't meet the sprint goal because Tom over there was useless. <laughs> That's not what you want. <laughs> you inspect, if Tom over there was useless, you inspect the process about why uh, he was useless. Maybe he didn't have access. Maybe he didn't have um, the permissions he needed. Maybe his laptop went on fire. There's always reasons. So you look at the process and look how we worked as a team and keep try and keep it at the team level. Um, when you degenerate into a blame game it can get really unproductive so this is where the scrum master needs to be strong even though the scrum master is a peer member in the retro they need to make sure it stays positive and productive so no blaming inspect the process is what i like to say and also keep it fun so i had a retro today actually um and we went uh we went outside to, to a coffee shop and we had coffee and donuts um of course i stiffed my manager for that i got it grabbed his credit card <laughs> and we made it fun and interactive and there's lots of Some different... things never changed dermot hey yeah well <laughs> i think your credit card got bent a few times <laughs> there's lots of different way, formats for retros Neil. can you recommend any that you've used there's books written on this topic there, there is there's a couple of great books i was going to recommend particularly when the different ideas for the format of Grum Retrospectives. One of the books is called Agile Retrospectives, Making Good Teams Great um, by Esther Darby and Diana Larson. That's a, that's a good book. Another one I picked up, um, I haven't got through them all yet, is 50 Quick Ideas to Improve Your Retrospectives by Tom Roden and Ben Williams. I'll put links to those in the show notes. And there's a couple of other good books. And I've seen people sell coaching cards with different retrospective ideas on it as well. You can keep that in your drawer, your back pocket. So there's lots of different formats. I have tended to stick to the pretty tried and tested what uh, went well, what didn't go so well, what ideas do we have for improvements or what do we, what should we stop doing? What should we start doing and what should we keep doing? Um, but there's lots of other formats as well. You got any particular favorites, Dermot? Yeah. Like you said, with new teams, I, I like to use that format. Um, what did we do well? What didn't we do so well? And what actions do we take out of this retrospective to improve our process going forward? I like that format with new teams. With more mature teams, um, I've been playing with Lean Coffee. So with Lean Coffee is that everyone comes in, we sit around the table, we give them post-it notes, everyone writes out maybe three items that they would like to discuss on three or four different post-it notes. We put them all up on a wall and then we do dot voting. So everybody yeah. might get two or three votes. And you just put a little dot on any post-it note that you would like to discuss. So if at the end of that uh, session, it'll only take you five to 10 minutes, say you have 12 post-it notes, um, you will start with the post-it note with the most dots on it that most people voted for. And you will spend an agreed amount of time. You'll set the agenda with the team. Hey, let's spend seven minutes on each post-it note. When the seven minutes is up, uh, the Scrum Master will say, do you want to keep talking about this topic or do you want to move on? And you act like a Roman emperor. Everyone puts the thumbs up or they put the thumbs down. Right. Thumbs up. Hey, let's keep talking about it. Thumbs down. 
we're done talking about it. Let's move on to the next uh, post-it note topic. And you work through your post-it notes that way. The idea being that in a lot of retros I've been um, with the three questions one is that we've too many post-it notes to get through all of them. With Lean Coffee, you may not get through all the suggestions that people want to talk about, but you will get through the most popular topics. Yeah, good idea. And even if it's you only get through three or four of those topics, because with the thumbs up method, people might go, hey, this is a really good topic. Let's keep talking about it. That one topic could take 20 minutes, which is okay. And then you have a, a list of items when you finish the retrospective. Hey, we can take this offline and have more cat chats. Hey, let's let's go for coffee. Let's go for lunch. Let's chat about these other items that came up. So with more mature teams, I really like the lean coffee uh, aspect because you can deep dive into issues that are really, really bugging the team that, that they want to fix. Have you ever used that, Neil? Yeah, good. I've used similar things, maybe not in a, in a retrospective, but maybe in some kind of brainstorming workshop for sure, just to focus on what everybody thinks are the most important ideas, right? So that kind of voting method to figure out what everybody's shared priorities are um, seems to work pretty well. And at least the topics that most people wanted to talk about get discussed first and nothing gets left mm. behind. So good idea. Thanks, Dermot. Yeah. And one thing with the retro, Neil, that I think is important that sometimes people forget, especially when they do lean coffee, is that, hey, now we've had our chat, let's get back to work or go home or do whatever we're going to do. And they forget to take the action points away. I find it important when we're doing the retrospective that I'll actually write down on the whiteboard or on Confluence if we're using a, a digital method, the actions as they we come up with them throughout the retrospective. Yeah. So at the end of the retrospective, we may have seven, eight, nine action points. And usually people will discuss who wants to take that action. And a lot of times we will create user stories or chores and bring them into the next sprint or the next two sprints so that we can track them and, and make sure that those actions get worked on. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you handle that. So that's exactly what what, we, what I do as well. So quite often, you're right, it's a chore, it goes into our backlog, we, somebody works on it, or maybe it's something that doesn't, a chore doesn't apply. So it could be, let's improve our definition of done and let's add a criterion to that. That's a new practice we want to apply to maybe just a sprint or two. We want to experiment with that new criterion or definition of done to see if it does give us the results that we're hoping for. But that didn't require anybody to go and do a you know, particular task. So it doesn't, a chore doesn't work for that. Yeah, that, that can range everything from improving our DevOps to do some more automation. It could be improving our definition of done to maybe uh, one of the ideas we had was to introduce a peer review step to try and make sure that the software is better quality and it's also better known but within the dynamics team so we get more people more familiar with the features and when it comes to the person in the team who does most of the testing hopefully there's no there's no bad feedback um, by the time it gets to them as well because we quite often find that the person or people doing the QA towards the end of the sprint tend to get loaded with a lot of stories because people were finishing stuff towards the end of the sprint rather than you know at a steady state mm -hmm. throughout the sprint and we weren't getting through all the testing we'd love to do so bringing in that peer review step was an idea that came out of one of the retrospectives to try and improve the quality and make sure there's no bugs during the sprint great and that would be in your definition of done which you've reviewed in the retro yeah exactly we'd update jira or update visual studio with that new column to say this is a new step a new status for the life cycle of the story so it can't get to done until the qa status has been satisfied 
One method uh, we use um, to see how we're tracking with our action points after, out of a retro is that at the next retro, we will open that retrospective by going, hey, what were the action points that we had two weeks ago? And we'll bring them up. Uh, we'll bring up the notes from the last retrospective and go, well, what have we done with these? Um, yep. Oh, we created chores and they were actioned or we created chores and they were put in the backlog or, you know what, that's no longer necessary. We don't need to do that anymore. Or, hey, we did nothing. We need to look at this again. So I find it really good to open your retrospective with a, a look back at the previous retrospective and see what, what action was taken. That's a, that's a sign of a good team being accountable. So absolutely. Uh, one question I was going to ask you, one of the things we're thinking about experimenting in this new project that we're kicking off is not, we're going to do the sprint review in the morning, it's a Tuesday morning. The sprint planning for the next sprint is going to be in a Tuesday afternoon. Now, normally I would say hold the retrospective in between those two, maybe lunchtime. Like you said, go out for coffee and donuts or go out for a picnic or have it over lunch. Great way just to break it up and make sure it's not a stuffy work meeting. But mm -hmm. one of the things we're thinking of is that's going to be a really intense day, especially the first few sprints in the, in the project. What we're going to do is hold the sprint retrospective on the Wednesday morning after everybody's gone home, had a nice you know, early afternoon on Wednesday after sprint planning and start uh, the next sprint with a retrospective looking back at the previous sprint. I don't know if you ever tried delaying your sprint retrospective for a day or two to give people a little bit of distance from that previous sprint. Sometimes you, you can look back with a little bit more clarity rather than doing an immediate retrospective right at the end of your sprint. Any, have you ever tried that? Any thoughts? I have, my preference is to have the retro as the very last ceremony so that when you go home and come in the next day and you do the sprint planning, it's a new sprint. The old sprint has been done and you're starting fresh yep. on a new, a new start. Okay. Well, we're going to try it. Um, we're going to try it during mm -hmm. the next day. Uh, I think that's yeah. enough distance <laughs> yeah. know, overnight without being, like you said, too far away from, from the previous sprint. And hopefully, although we've done the sprint planning uh, for sprint two, people haven't got really into sprint two. They haven't started doing development yet. So we still have a little bit of a mindset where we can, where we can look back on sprint one. So, so is your um, your new sprint starting in the afternoon then? Yes. So on that? Yeah. Okay. So you start the new sprint, say, 1 or 2 p.m. That's right. Yeah. Um, so we'll take, okay. we'll take a break after yeah. the sprint review, have lunch, and start sprint mm -hmm. two on Tuesday afternoons. Okay, great. One of the things I like to do for the sprint retrospective, because we're focusing on the inspecting the process of building the software, some teams like to invite the product owner along. Some teams don't. They think it's a safe space for the team when the product owner is not there and they can reflect a little bit on their own practices and admit their mistakes to each other. Whereas if the product owner is there, particularly in a dynamics project where the product owner is your is your client and you're a, you're a Microsoft partner team delivering for a client to air your dirty laundry in front of your client. There's a lot of consultants not comfortable with that. So we ask the product owner to um, take a break yep. and let the scrum team, sorry, the development team facilitated by the scrum master run the sprint retrospective by themselves. Right. Other teams, very happy to have the product owner in there. What, what's been your experience of inviting and not inviting a product owner to the sprint right. retrospective? Um, great question, Neil, and a tricky one because I've, I've come across that exact scenario in a project I worked with. So the scrum, the sprint retro is for the scrum team and the scrum team includes the product owner. So the product owner needs to be there. We're inspecting the process of how we work as a team. And part of that process is how the dev team interacts with the product owner. There may be a problem there that needs to be looked at. And if the product owner isn't there, you're only getting one part of the story and decisions can't be made that may involve the product owner. So really the product owner does need to be there. 
but back to the other part of your question, which was it's in a client relationship, um, a consultancy client relationship, which uh, which you're involved in quite a lot, Neil. The team may want to have an offsite so that they can speak more freely. Well, my answer to that is the product owner should be seen as part of the Scrum team. It should be a safe environment. You should feel free to speak safely, as should the product owner. And if it's not a safe environment, then the Scrum master needs to have a look at that and say, well, why isn't it a safe environment? Why do people people feel they need to air their dirty laundry somewhere else? So that's a bigger issue is coming to the surface. And that's something that could be even discussed in the retrospective. So the product owner does need to be there. Um, but having been in that scenario when it's quite difficult, I insisted that, no, you can't do that because the product owner is part of the team. However, on the consultancy side, if we want to go for lunch or go for a coffee and discuss some issues, that's okay. But this isn't a retrospective. This is just a team get together and a brain dump. The actual retrospective itself, that's where the product owner needs to be there. What do you think, Neil? I've got to take your feedback, Dermot. I think that's, that's spot on. The real retrospective should have the product owner there um, for exactly the reasons that you mentioned. And it's all about being open, transparent, respectful. It plays to all the, the core values of a scrum team. I think, although it can be very brutally challenging sometimes when you're in that client consulting relationship and things have got tense and maybe you're behind on a couple of the goals and we're not quite sure how much we're going to be able to deliver within our budget. Scrum projects are different from waterfall projects where people try and hide that stuff and we have status meetings to assign blame to people. This is a real opportunity when you transition from from that old way of thinking into an agile mindset that the, the Scrum retrospective is that one opportunity to really trust each other and have that transparency and that openness and that open communication to try and improve things because discussing it is the best way to try and solve it. If there is that tension and that you know blame culture, uh, then it's not going to get any better by ignoring it. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Neil. Something I always say is that there is no blame here. This is a safe environment and we're respecting the process. We're not here to point fingers and blame people. Sometimes it can descend into that and that's where the Scrum Master has to ensure that it stays positive and productive. So no blaming, inspect the process. That's one of the, the phrases I use a lot. Good. Any other top tips for um, your sprint retrospectives? Just to say that although the retro is a formal opportunity to focus on inspection and adaption and look at how we're working as a team, improvements, you don't have to wait for the retro to implement improvements. That can be done anytime throughout the sprint. If you see something that's broken and you want to call it out, you don't have to go, oh, I'll bring that up at the retro. You could bring it up straight away, um, especially if it's something that's really impacting the team. It's the, but the retro gives you the formal opportunity to, to stop and get everyone together and in a more relaxed environment to look back and see how we can improve. But by, by all means, don't wait for, to, for the retro if you see something that could be fixed straight away. The only caveat to that I would add is if a couple of devs get together and want to change the way that they work, I would wait until the next daily scrum so that everybody has a chance to get on the same page there. If a couple of people just informally decide to change part of the process and that's not being well communicated across the entire team, then somebody's going to be left out and a bit out of sync. So yes, by all means, don't have to wait until the retro, but at least get some consensus at the next daily scrum and make sure your, your scrum master is across it as well. Absolutely. And the key here is that it's the scrum team. It's not a couple of individuals. It's the scrum team who makes these decisions. So we're yeah. all in this together. So you're, you're spot on, Neil. Totally agree with that. Or do you have any other issues you'd like to discuss with this print retrospective, Neil? 
No, for me, that, the, the big elephant in the room is always whether the product owner should be in the room. Not calling my product owner an elephant, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but uh, that's for me, that's the most contentious question. And hopefully it'll change over time for those teams that feel a little bit nervous about inviting their product owner. I can understand for the first sprint or two, but hopefully they can build that trust, invite their product owner along, give it a go and see, uh, hopefully they'll see the openness in those uh, sprint retros improve. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Dermot. I really appreciate your time on this episode again. It's always great to catch up with you and get your insight into our dynamics and uh, Scrum projects. So thanks very much for joining us. Likewise, Neil. Thanks for having me on the show again and can't wait for the next one. It's been great. I just would like to add for the those listeners who are going to be in Phoenix, Arizona in a few weeks' time, the Dynamics 365 User Group Summit is on between the 15th and 18th of October. I'm going to be there probably a couple of days ahead, arriving late on Friday night. If anybody's interested in a Scrum social, maybe do a happy hour while we're there, please do get in touch via LinkedIn. Look me up, Neil Benson, and we'll have some kind of social when we're in Phoenix and discuss all things Scrum Dynamics. Dermot, would you like to join us? Uh, Phoenix, I would love to, Neil, um, but I might have to hit you up, hit up your credit card again. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> Same as usual. Yeah, nothing's changed. <laughs> Our mission is to help every Dynamics 365 customer and partner succeed with the Scrum framework. If you'd like to learn more about Scrum and gain the Professional Scrum Master Certification from scrum.org, Visit crm.audio slash scrumdynamics to get discounted access to the Scrum for Dynamics 365 video course. The course features videos, worksheets, quizzes, and a practice assessment for the PSM Level 1 certification exam. It covers Scrum theory, events, roles, artifacts, as well as lessons learned through real-life Scrum for Dynamics 365 case study projects. Thanks for being part of the CRM Audio audience you can get discounted access by visiting crm.audio slash scrumdynamics.